Info dump or don't say a word Move my head around like a startled bird Can't do housework when I choose When I win or convince myself I lose Fabric feels weird against my skin I gotta hold my breath when I take out the bin Can't go out cause it's too hot and bright I can't sleep at night cause there's too much light The bees in my brain won't let me speak My thought process is quite unique The mask comes off or now I'm weird Everything is as I We've all had enough, but we still want more. Leave me alone. I don't want interference. Why not, mate? That's your autistic experience. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Autistic Experience, your one-stop shop podcast for neurodivergent news, commentary, general weirdness, and anything else that happens to hit our brains in the meantime, which is, if history has shown us anything quite a lot (laughs) so let's see how that goes shall we it is the 12th of november as this is going out my name is kieran as always joined by chloe wahoo wahoo indeed (laughs) i feel like saying hi is getting a bit boring by now so yeah feel free just to (laughs) say random noises because that's all language is at the end of the day isn't it indeed just random noise very deep yeah, well, I'm, we're starting off early, apparently. <laughs> As usual, this episode, we're going to be going through some of the neurodivergent news stories that have piqued our interest this week. Uh, going to be diving into some rando's personal life to try and fix it. And <laughs> then we're going to be looking forward to some events that are happening around the UK next week. So this week coming up. As always, if you want to get in contact with us or go and follow our progress or just show your support in any sort of way, then you can go and follow us on Instagram at The Autistic Experience, where you can find references to all the news stories that we talk about and all the events that we talk about so you can go and have a look for yourself and form your own opinions. But that's enough admin, I think. Let's get into it. And as always, our first little section is home news. Home news. Still haven't done a jingle. But a bill. It's probably the same thing I do every time, but. Probably. <laughs> That's fine. So, home news the bit where we talk to you about what we've been up to because you are, I'm sure, very interested. I mean, we do get up to some crazy We do crazy get up to stuff. some weird stuff, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> But I think today, we've done a lot of walking today. We have. Walking and shopping. Yeah. And you've got a new fluffy thing you're currently wearing. I have. For keeping warm Mm -hmm. and being all curled up in a safe wall. (laughs) Yep. That's the important thing. Should we share what I did this week? Yeah. I can't remember what you did this week. And I'm thinking about the incident that happened on Uh, Wednesday. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you've had an interesting time of it, haven't you? Yeah. So on Wednesday, I was coming home from work with a bag full of goodies, as I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I must have overfilled my bag. And so I cycled all the way back from work. I got into the house. 
gone up the stairs, was just opening the door, and then suddenly my bag just kind of fell open. Mm-hmm. And one of those big four-pint cartons of milk fell out of it, bounced down the stairs, yeah. and exploded. And it went all over the carpet on the stairs, and it was up the walls, and it was running down to the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. And basically, I'd cracked the door open when it happened, and I think my instant reaction was just to turn around. I saw it and went, oh, my God, and then kind of ran in, and you were just like, "What? what is going on? <laughs> like, <laughs> I heard a bang and a lot of swearing and not much else. <laughs> yeah. So we spent quite a while. Oh, it was a good few hours, yeah. And, well, you were very helpful, which I'm eternally grateful for, but it did end up dripping a bit through the floor into downstairs cellar. Yeah. Which was not ideal. That's when I really started to kind of freak out a bit. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, it's gone through the entire floor into their cellar now. And it was awful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things, a bit like our Naples journey, that at the time it was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this. But in hindsight, it's kind of funny. And <laughs> I mean, this one is one of those things where you're never going to see it coming. You know, sometimes like what we like to do is we do scenarios in our head or ahead of time just to go, if this happened, then I'll yeah. do this. No way you could have ever possibly run a scenario where you end up dropping a milk. Like, our, our stairs are steep, by the way. They are very steep, yeah. No way you could have predicted just dropping four pints of milk down those stairs. <laughs> it just forms a massive puddle on like that second little landing and soaks into the carpet and then just drips below the floorboards. <laughs> into downstairs basement yeah no way you could have possibly no and that's why i think when it happened i turned around and i just couldn't believe it i was like what how does this even happen but Mm. fortunately you said hey should we see if downstairs have a carpet cleaner of some sort and that was when i opened the cellar door and went oh sugar (laughs) there's a pool of milk down here as well (laughs) better get on that yeah, so. <laughs> you know, yeah. There, there was a bit where uh, I think you were trying to mop up some of uh, the milk with just a towel, and like the bottle was just kind of lying there. And like my instinct was just to say, would it be sensible just to kind of pick that up so no more milk comes out of it? And then I looked at the bottle and I was like, there's no more milk left in there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's completely sure pointless it's, picking it up. I tested it at one point. I picked it up and I was like, "Oh, that's empty." Yeah, cool. I'll just leave it there then yeah, until I'm it's, done. It's, it's not gonna do anything. <laughs> Before I went out the house to put it in the recycling bin, very angrily, yeah. <laughs> I was unhappy. Yeah, you considered uh, not coming back in the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah. I literally threw it in. Literally threw it in the bin and then just stood outside for a minute in rage, yeah. like. <laughs> Ugh. I was actually like, for God's sake, that was like one pound twenty that was just been wasted yeah. for no reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, there's no use crying over spilt milk yeah. as we learned on Wednesday. Yeah, well, you you literally did cry over spilt milk. Yeah, right? and it didn't help anything. So <laughs> exactly, there was no point in it's doing true. it. True. Yeah, follow that advice. Yeah, they, they <laughs> say we don't get idioms, but we scientifically tested this one. Yeah, and it's valid. Yeah, there is in fact no point crying over spilt milk. Yeah. Ha <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, shall we move on to neurodivergent news? Yeah. So hang on, I've got to put an uh, upwards inflection at the end of that, so it's a question. News? <laughs> yes. Okay. Boom, boom. Okay, so our first story comes from ITV, believe it or not, and it's a bit of a follow-on from Fireworks Night, which was last week. Five. The, the night was all of last week. Yeah, it was. And there was a lot of fireworks. And like, it's it's not even over yet because we're going right into Diwali. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of fireworks involved in that. It's nowhere near as many so far, but give it time. Yep. Yeah, so this article is just entitled Animal, Autism and Military Charities Call for Tougher Restrictions on Fireworks. Now, this is something I'm sure we've touched on in the podcast. We've definitely talked quite a lot about it in our personal lives is just that. Fireworks are really quite loud. Yeah. And there is absolutely no point in allowing them for personal usage. Yeah. Because they are literal explosives. If you're over 18, you can just buy one or buy loads. They can be massively unsafe. They can burn you, blind you, set loads of things on fire. And they're also really loud. Like, I'm all for firework displays. I love a firework display. But I do think that they should be restricted to kind of professional public ones. I don't think you should be allowed to personally set fireworks off in your back garden. You know, part of that is because, like, that article is talking about that I think it said about 80%, wasn't it, of pet owners in the UK say that they notice a change in their pet's behaviour around bonfire night. Like, fireworks can actually kill animals. Yeah. Just by freaking them out. Yeah, like, and they they don't even have to be outside for that. Like, you can have, like, small animals, like rabbits, guinea pigs, in the house, and the stress can kill them, and it's kind of pointless. Like, there's no reason for it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then from a human side of things, it says that Almost a quarter of veterans said that the fireworks uh, trigger a negative experience for them, ranging from feeling jumpy and hypervigilant through to panic attacks. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, PTSD is a massive thing. Yep. One, one thing that, um, that it does say is that uh, fireworks bought for private use have a legal sound limit of 120 decibels, but public displays have no restrictions. So I found a list of decibels... So this says regular fireworks are about 145 decibels, whereas just below it, 140 decibels is airplane takeoff. Oh. 130 decibels is a jet engine. <laughs> so 120 decibels, which is, as we said, the legal limit for privately bought fireworks, is ambulance, siren, chainsaw, or rock concert. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Bearing in mind some of the rock concerts we've had in the local area we can hear them from miles away with quite good clarity and they're more than enough to cause tinnitus as you are more than aware yes (laughs) rip to my ears (laughs) so in general yeah they're real loud yeah because i mean if you're walking down the road and you know an emergency services vehicle goes past with the siren on or a loud car engine or a motorbike, like that is often too much for me. 
like them going past will cause me a bit of a ick, you know? And so if that's the level that fireworks at, and then you you also don't get, so I think again, if you don't get a choice about it, yeah. other people are in control of it. You don't get to choose when they do it. Some yep, people and do they it really always late. pick about midnight. Yeah, and it's just like, it's really frustrating. <laughs> and I don't mind so much if there's somebody nearby that's setting off fireworks on bonfire night and I can see them. Because <laughs> then I can like watch it from the window yeah. and I get something out of it. And at the very <laughs> least... Because light travels faster than sound, we see them before we hear them, so yeah. we know the sound is about to hit. But it can't be good for like your ears or people's no, ears. And of course it isn't. I'm quite paranoid about my ears, especially after said rock concert and said tinnitus. <laughs> um, so things like fireworks do kind of bother me a little bit because I'm like, I'm going to damage my ears. And even more so now I know how loud they actually are. Yeah. But I, I, I think for me, like, I don't care so much for myself. Like, they're an annoyance. Yeah. But like, once they start, I know they're going. Yeah. I think for me, it's much more like for animals. Yeah. Sake, that's more Because they I get mean. so stressed about it. And as you said, like, that can and ha and does kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if, like, like next door's cat, for example, he was outside during fireworks night. Yeah, he was. Like, they don't have a cat flap, so he can't escape anywhere. Didn't want to come in our house for some reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the one time he doesn't. It stresses me out on animals' behalf as well. Like, wild and domestic animals yeah. are affected, and I don't like that, really. But... Anyway, I think that's probably enough talking about fireworks, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. But we're going to move on to our second story, which comes to us from The National, and it was published on the 9th of November. So this is a bit of a, more of a commentary piece on the ADHD medication shortage, Way! which is another thing we keep going on and on and on no, no, about. No, 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 <laughs> Like, I'm kind of glad I haven't been diagnosed yet. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I still wouldn't be getting any ADHD medication, but, like, I don't know what it's like to have it. Yeah. So, I think it's like, uh, if science came on the radio and was like, hey, camels have gone extinct due to overeating, you can't eat a camel anymore. I'd be like, I mean, it doesn't affect me at the moment because I've not eaten camel. <laughs> yeah. But what if camel was really good? Maybe yeah. <laughs> what if I missed out? <laughs> and if I'd previously eaten camel and gone, oh, I really like this. Now I can't have any. That'd be a bit more of an issue. <laughs> or if like camel had some sort of medicinal properties or like it, it was one of like superfood. It was like a weight loss oh, God. thing. I don't know. Imagine. <laughs> but yeah, hang on. We have an article to look at. <laughs> talking about camels. Let's stop talking about camel, the superfood, <laughs> and move on to the thing we're actually here to, to talk about. So, so this is a commentary piece. So this is one person's experience of the shortage. It's quite interesting, though. I thought it was. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you, you read it today. I read it a couple of days ago, and your information retention is much better than mine so <laughs> prevent me from having to lazily try and guess what <laughs> is being said well tell me essentially tell me. 
It's written by a lady with ADHD who has suffered from the medication shortage. And she's saying basically that the situation she's in is that she has had to make, I think it was two or three days worth of medication last two weeks. And she still doesn't know when she's going to be given any more tablets. So she said that there's been advice by kind of doctors or pharmacists to cut tablets into quarters and take like bits of tablets during the day or like take a whole tablet but only take it on a day where you feel like you might need it the most sort of things like that. But she says the tablets that she's on, she's supposed to take two or three times a day. And at the moment, she is having to choose like one day of the week to take a single tablet where she kind of feels like she needs to be productive and focused. And the rest of the time, she says that she's in a state basically like how she was before she started being given tablets, which is very sort of unfocused, disorganized. I think she says in there that ADHD, I think this is the one, ADHD has left her kind of losing jobs in the past and losing her houses because she hasn't, you know, been able to regulate sort of cleaning them and things like that. And the fact that she's having to divide a medication like that, as as are probably quite a lot of people, you know, it leaves them in quite an uncomfortable state most of the time, doesn't it? Where they just can't function properly. Yeah. And I know we've said it before, but we'll have to keep saying it until this crisis is sorted. Imagine if they did that to any other mm-hmm. type of person. Like if cancer sufferers couldn't get chemo, they had to shop around different areas. They had to spend the day phoning different hospitals to say, have you got any chemotherapy for me? Please? Yeah. Like if diabetics like had to make a couple of days worth of insulin last a month you yeah. know they they would have to pick a day where we go where do i need to not risk passing out yeah i know and a lot of people would make the argument of oh adhd isn't as bad as those or it doesn't it's not as life-threatening or urgent but actually as she said you know the the kind of dysfunction that you get from it it can cause you to lose your job. It can cause you to get into financial distress. It can cause you to forget to do important things like paying bills. You know, it can lead to serious mental health problems mm-hmm. that lead to, that can be life threatening. So yeah. actually, it is important. <laughs> yeah. So it's rather annoyingly, it is the case similar to like climate change, where people are like, if the loss doesn't affect you instantly, then you can just do without it. Mm. Right, so if the ice caps aren't gone now, it's not an issue. That's someone else's problem later on down the line. Just get on with it. It'll be fine. People don't view these things with enough kind of importance, do they really? No, or as and, and that I think is still because of the stigma around ADHD yeah. and its kind of public perception of it being just the naughty boy disease, they would probably call it. It just stops children running around all the time. Well, no, it actually helps us adults 
live. Yeah, she specifically says in the article that taking her medication leaves her with a really kind of clear head where she can actually kind of just focus and get stuff done when she doesn't have her medication. She's just in like this stressful kind of dysregulated like state of overwhelm basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean imagine if like say say you normally wore glasses and suddenly they all smashed or like you had to get some new contact lenses and there were no contact lenses to be found. So you basically just had to wander around with massively blurry vision. Yeah. Think about how long everything would take. Like, and the things you normally do, you can't do because you can't see properly. You know, like cooking, you can't do knives because you'll cut your fingers off. You can't drive because you'll crash into something. Yeah. You can't do your work because you can't read what's on the computer screen and you can't write anything down because you can't see what you're writing it's that level of everyday tasks that suddenly become impossible and when that starts to build up over time like one day yeah maybe you can get away with maybe two or three but like especially if you're working full time then it won't be long before stuff gets to an unmanageable level because it's not just professional life, it's personal life as well. It's basically yeah. everything that's going on suddenly starts to become impossible to do. Mm -hmm. She even says that days that she doesn't take her medication, it can even make it difficult for her to get out of bed. Yeah. Like even that seems like an impossible task. Oh, I've been there and this morning. <laughs> like it's not good to put people in that position is no. it really <laughs> no and when you're basically just being told to get on with it mm -hmm. getting on with it is the one thing you can't do if you yeah. don't have ADHD medication everybody wants to <laughs> yeah. but they can't so look forward to that exact discussion next week <laughs> yeah. on the autistic experience as undoubtedly the medication shortage will continue to get worse yeah, well, they reckon, she says that a lot of doctors reckon that some of the medication won't even be kind of back in stock on the other side of New Year. Like, yeah. Just another couple of months, probably, until so, it comes back. So here's a fun gift idea for any ADHD sufferers in your life. Yeah. If you can find any... Any meds. <laughs> any medication, then that will make a great stocking filler this year. <laughs> Right, and then moving on to our final story of the day. Now, this one is quite a heavy one. Yeah, It's a long read, but it is incredibly important that you do read it. Mm -hmm. So this was published on the 8th of November on The Independent, and its title is Nicholas's Story. I've been locked up for 10 years because I'm autistic. Is a chance at life too much to ask? Now, I kind of just clicked on this one because it looked interesting, but kind of after reading the whole thing, it's it's just kind of heartbreaking, really. Yeah. Is how I describe it. So if, you, yeah. if, if you're not feeling up to a bit of a read and a bit of a watch, basically this story is an autistic man who's now 28, but since he was about 16 or so, has been like, tossed in between various different mental health wards, none of which have been in any way helpful or suitable. And he's just been getting worse and worse and worse. And not just in a mental health way, but physically 
yeah. as well. That's that's what I think I, I was most struck by is that I, I don't know how to go through this in any sort of order that makes sense. So just bear with me a moment. So he he's this uh, guy's called Nicholas Thornton, by the way, um, and he started off as what what we'd say as a you know fairly happy child. Yeah, you know he he was happy, he was talkative, but I think in school he struggled, had difficulty as many of us do, but kind of landed on the side of disruptive. I think when he was fourteen, uh, he got put in a special needs residential school and was bullied there. He asked them to sort it out, and you know what teachers are like. They don't do anything about bullying. I mean, hang on, I'm related to teachers. Um, (laughs) (laughs) In my experience, teachers don't do anything about bullying. (laughs) In that case, he ended up just staying outside all night. Then they told him they were going to put him in in another place, but no, he got taken to a children's mental health unit instead. So they just took him across the country to lock him up in a private hospital, and... There he started to get sick. There was a lot of uh, throwing up and he stayed in his room because he was scared of the other patients in there. Uh, he says he was attacked by one of the other children there. But then he himself was sectioned under the Mental Health Act. He said they put him on antipsychotic medication for autism, but he's not mentally ill or psychotic. Then it says at the age of 16, Nicholas was being heavily medicated with antipsychotic drugs that effectively left him sedated and was regularly physically restrained by staff. And then he said he was moved to another secure hospital where he says he was held in a locked padded room. So we're not even like halfway through it yet. And mm. to my mind, the only thing he ever did was having trouble at school. Yeah. And he gets punished with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't really understand reading it how how all of that happened to him really like why at no point anybody sort of stopped and actually looked at it a little bit like he just sort of got passed around and around and he didn't actually really have any as far as I can tell from reading it any really severe kind of problems no like that that, that's the thing that doesn't really doesn't make sense I mean if you're particularly violent then I can kind of understand some of that, but not that. Yeah, I mean, it says that he was bullied at school. He was attacked by another patient at that mental health ward. He was hiding away in his room because he was scared of the other patients. That doesn't really sound like a violent person to me. And, yeah, I think the worst thing is, I I might be jumping a bit too far ahead on this, but... Like, I found it really sad seeing him because there's a little video on this article where he kind of explains what he's been through. And you see him now, spoilers. Yeah, he is completely unrecognisable. Yeah, he's like, he's in a wheelchair, I think, isn't he? He's only got the use of one of his arms. He can't speak, he's non-verbal. And he communicates by typing. Whereas as a child, his sister specifically says that he was really active, really chatty, like he loved sailing, he loved riding his bike and all this. And like, it's literally just his experiences over these 10 years that have kind of forced him to become nonverbal and like physically lose functions in his body. 
Like it's literally kind of ruined him. Yeah. So you've got that to look forward to coming up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it says in 2012, he was sent to a rehab unit where he was surrounded by adults with extreme mental illnesses. So some of them were schizophrenic, some had been on drugs, some had just come out of prison. Apparently one of them uh, had been in Broadmoor, which is a high security psychiatric hospital, which is uh, quite famous for holding some of the worst killers the country's had. And there's this 17-year-old autistic kid yeah, housed in there. That's like not the right place. No, well, none of them. None of none of them. Are in the right place. Without having to just list every awful place, yeah, he there's ended a lot. Up in. There <laughs> there's are a, a lot, lot of them. awful places. Unfortunately, basically, like throughout that, he loses the ability to speak, becomes completely nonverbal. As you said, he loses the use of one of his arms. You know, now he is in a wheelchair, and like the video he was in, he had like big sunglasses and ear defenders on to be outside yeah so there's extreme sensory issues and yeah he, he even kind of mentions in this there's a a point where he says that one, one of the nurses that was in one of the places i can't find out which place it was in but held a pillow over his face and just started punching him yeah there was a few mentions of i think um like abuse yeah like physical restraint he he sustained quite a few kind of physical injuries and yeah it's just a bit a bit awful isn't it really because yeah. oh, he, he was put in a dementia care ward for elderly patients yeah for six months confined to his room for twenty four hours a day and segregated it said that patients could come in and out of his room in yeah. one of those dementia wards yep. doesn't it? and one of them especially would try and like touch him and poke yeah. at him and stuff like that and. Like his, it's his family are trying to sort it as well. Like his yeah. sister is actually trying to help him, but the places that he's been, their statements kind of have argued that, you know, the, the patients that they deal with are always treated with care and compassion, but they can't comment on individuals. Yeah, which is that's obviously not the case, is it? Really, <laughs> and yeah. also some of the places he's been in have been investigated in the past for mistreatment of patients, yeah. and nothing's been done about it. No. So, like, it's all a bit rubbish, isn't it? And like, it's just made him deteriorate so much. Yeah, it's. I I think his story is a. I said it was heartbreaking. It really is, and mm -hmm. if you see the video. Like, you can see what it was like before all that happened to him. Yeah. But it does just demonstrate that our mental health and physical health are much more closely linked than you think. Yeah. And if... It's not even accommodations, it's just basic decency to treat someone like a human rather than, like, a rabid dog. Yeah. That, like, he now is, like, forever changed and, like, physically disabled now. Because of the treatment he suffered. Yeah. Um, I, I think at this point I'll probably put in a bit from one of the videos on the Independence page. So you can hear some of his words which he's typed out on his tablet and is read by his brother about some of his experience. Ten years of it. And mostly away from all family, 
and friends. I've not seen a friend for seven years. Sensory overload and can have autism meltdowns. The alarms and the number of people, fluorescent lights. It's like torture that I can't get away from. And of course, the the real the kicker at this is that his section is now complete. He's no longer sectioned, but is as far as I know and as far as that article makes out, he's still being kept in whatever ward room effective prison that he's been in for quite some time now just because they don't have anywhere else to put him. Yeah. I mean, he could come and live with us, but we've got real steep stairs and we, <laughs> we drop milk down it. I don't want <laughs> I don't want to risk that wheelchair. <laughs> That's the thing. It's not even that. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. You just yeah. need somebody there to assist him in an environment that isn't going to be overwhelming. That's basically. I it. think at this stage he'd settle for someone who doesn't punch him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like, we we like to put uh, like a positive or jokey spin on some of these, but it's a tough read. That mm. one. It's a tough read. It's a tough watch. Because like you see what he's like before, and you see what he's like now, and you would not recognize him. Yeah, I think for me especially, like he's pretty much the same age as I am. Yeah, and like had I had f a few more issues in school, like mm. that could have been me. It could have been my brother who was kind of labeled disruptive when he was younger. Yeah, I mean I don't think our parents would have gone for it, <laughs> but like you know, there's always the chance that. You accidentally get caught up into one of those things where, yeah, you know, the parents send you off to a specialist place which they think will help you, but it doesn't, and it's run like a prison. It shouldn't be happening at all, should it? No. That's the that's the problem. I think I'm gonna have to like paste in sounds of like kittens <laughs> or guinea pigs or something just to like. You could do like a solid like. 30 seconds of just cats purring or something <laughs> just to lighten the mood a Therapeutic bit. noises. Yeah. So, folks, enjoy the next 30 seconds. <laughs> we'll uh, go have a quick breather and we'll be back to you with our question of the week. sound of things has made everybody feel a bit better and obviously I just wanted to send all the all the thoughts and the love to Nicholas and his family and hope that they can get 
get it all sorted out soon. So I'll send them the best. I'm sure we all, we all do. So yes. On to question of the week. Question of the week. <laughs> okay, this is going to be a massive gear change in, in tone. So <laughs> energy, energy, energy. There we go. Okay, I got it. So today's question of the week says, how to recover from big emotions you felt earlier but can't seem to shake off hours later. So they've helpfully provided context. The context is... I broke down earlier because my dog, who is like my support animal, ran away from home. She's tiny and fast and we were driving around frantically to find her and had lots of friends also doing the same. She is now home safe and was found within the hour so I'm grateful for that. But at the same time, I had such overwhelming emotions and I was not coping at all. I was shaking and crying and thinking the worst as my childhood dog was run over when I was younger, which I think is fair enough. Yeah. It's been hours and my dog is safe and asleep beside me, but I'm still so overwhelmed, can't speak, so anxious about the what if, even though the worst didn't happen. But I keep fixating on the worst case scenario. I don't feel relaxed. I keep stimming because there is just a lot of feelings still stuck inside me that I want to get out, but I'm also too exhausted and feeling like I'm going to shut down fully. How do I cope with big feelings like this? Mm. Your thoughts? Well... My initial thoughts on that is that is a very good question <laughs> and a very tough one, I think, to answer. I can relate. I've had a lot of problems with anxiety and worrying about hypotheticals and things in my life. And I always struggled to kind of settle my mind down and stop, you know, being so overwhelmed about them. I always found kind of voicing it to other people helped me personally, but I know that's sometimes hard if you're a bit, you know, burnt out and exhausted yeah. from everything that's been going on. But yeah, it's a, that's a hard one because I struggle with it myself mm. <laughs> and I'm not very good at controlling it, so... What, what what would you say for this one? Uh, well, I because I, I did respond to this one, and I basically said that despite kind of the the popular stereotype of us us being unemotional robots, <laughs> we can actually be really emotional, and we feel things very deeply, especially where our animals are involved. Oh yeah. So basically, when we feel those things, our brains don't know how to handle it. Yeah. So it just goes into that shutdown mode it just goes i can't deal with any of this i'm just gonna blot everything out and just go into sirens going wah, 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 wah. and that's kind of all you really hear when you're in that and like because the thing that's caused it is that influx of chemicals into the brain you basically just got to wait until those chemicals dissipate until they drain out of your brain and like I've said to you when it's that's happened, it's like when I've been upset about something minor and it's just gone on for much longer than it should. And you're mm. you're like, why why like why are you still upset? And I'm like, I can't help it. It will stop eventually. I know I shouldn't be upset. I don't want to be upset, but I am. It will just pass. Yeah. And it does eventually, but you can't really predict how long it's gonna take. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the best thing, and that's I was trying to think of a solution. But... Well, well, in terms of solutions, the best one that works for me is having a nap. 
Yeah, I mean, that's always a good one. If you're physically exhausted, you have a nap. That's just natural. That's what we do, like, every day when we go to sleep. It's just part of the natural cycle. But if you're particularly exhausted, you go for, go for a quick sleep. Mm-hmm. If you're mentally exhausted, go and have a sleep. It does the exact same thing. It just gives you time to recuperate and reboot your system. Yeah. Honestly, just putting putting something on the TV, like a very mindless yeah. thing, curl up in a blanket, shut your eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to go to sleep. It's just shut, like, <laughs> yeah. shut lie, lie down, shut your eyes. And just stay still, have a, like, like physically rest. Yeah, it is. It is really good for calming and just refreshing you, washing your brain out a little bit. <laughs> so that was the question of the week. With echo effect. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. Question <laughs> of the week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so how about we sit down for a moment and look at the events that are coming up around the UK in the next week? Ooh, what have you got? Well, what have you got? Let me unplug my phone and have a look. <laughs> so, on the 14th of November, so that's this coming Tuesday at 6:30 p.m. at the Clapham Grand in London is the National Autistic Society's Matt and Co. Comedy Show. Ooh. So this is run or at least organised by the National Autistic Society and it is hosted by comedian and charity ambassador Matt Richardson and it's got a big old lineup. So highlights include uh, Rod Gilbert, who has very recently been cleared of cancer, uh, Milton Jones, the one with the weird hair and funny shirts, <laughs> uh, Rosie Jones, no... Uh, no relation. <laughs> uh, Rosie's very good. I've seen her live before. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are a good, good chunk of others. Uh, Joe Wells is on there. He did a, a, a gig a little while ago we kind of uh, talked about briefly. And then also Paul Sinha from Series 8 hey. of Taskmaster. And also <laughs> The Chase. And also The Chase, yes. Love Paul Sinha. So as far as I know, uh, tickets are still available for for it from 20 pounds i think it's unreserved seating at that one so get them while they're hot so yeah that's the 14th of november at the clapham grand in london okay then i i I pulled this one up because it was quite interesting this next one on thursday the 16th uh this is happening in runcorn which is kind of just the liverpool side of warrington there's a 16 plus autism friendly vaccination clinic, which is running between five and six in the evening. So this is a remedy healthcare vaccination center. So if you want to have your COVID booster and or flu vaccination for this year, and you're a bit hesitant on it, or you'd prefer it in a slightly better environment for you. I know this is one for you, Chloe, because you're try- currently, you've tried like the last couple of days to try and get your flu vaccine don't start it's taken a long time but if you're in that direction you you kind of feel like you want to get a vaccination but you don't like going into like your local doctors where they've got all sorts of lights and music and weird smells and weird people coughing all over you (laughs) you prefer it done in a slightly better environment for you than head over that sort of direction i like the fact that they do it in the car that's really good yeah the drive-through 
That's really nice. I mean, ideally, they'd have someone with a blowpipe <laughs> from, from a distance. Just, just dart <laughs> people through the window. <laughs> yeah, you just wind down the window to go. <laughs> Honestly, I'm quite tempted to go to that myself. I mean, uh, Thursday, I mean, we could. What are we, what are we doing on Thursday? I've got a few things happening on Thursday. I can't, I can't do Thursday. I guess I'll have to drive myself. Oh, <laughs> but you really think I would miss the aftermath of you having a vaccination? It is the funniest thing. I don't like getting needles and it sends me into an adrenaline high yeah. and I get hysterical. It's really funny. It's awful. <laughs> oh, I can feel it now. <laughs> My arm feels like I've been injected. Why you make me think about this? I, I didn't. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> My muscle feels funny now. <laughs> Oh. Well, it's a good thing we got that on. I'm really trying to rain this in. <laughs> I go totally off the How's rails here. Not well. My okay. arm feels weird. Well, we've got one more event to do, so try and then you can explode. Okay. okay. So uh, our last event for you is happening on the 17th of November. So that's this coming Friday. It's another one in London at the uh, Grand Union Community Club which is kind of around Wembley area. So this is a biodivergent sights and sounds launch. And it says it's the launch of a new autistic-led interactive map and soundscape of Harlesden Canal, featuring live music, poetry, and creative technology. That sounds quite interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of a artsy sort of a thing. So uh, it says there's an examination of autistic stimming as an act of power, self-expression, and creativity. There's some uh, musical performances by Joanne Cox, uh, Dee Fry and Eleanor Rowlands, poetry by Sophia Lyle, and opportunities for you to be among the first to experience the biodivergent sights and sounds soundscapes. Mm-hmm. It says it's in a fully accessible venue and will be BSL interpreted. And drinks will be served. Nice. <laughs> I would be f- fascinated to see whether the BSL interpretation Extends to the soundscapes. <laughs> I have no idea how they would do that. That would be incredible. I, I've like, made quite a few soundscapes in my time. And I have no <laughs> idea how any of them would be translated into PSL. I'd like to see it. If you fancy going to uh, this poetry kind of artsy soundscapey thing that's over Wembley direction on Friday from 5 until 7pm, then feel free to go investigate it. Of course... If you didn't take in any of that information, that's fair enough. You can always go find written versions of everything we've just said, but much more condensed and much more sensible and much more information filled. Why are you even listening to this? Just go have a look at our yeah, Instagram, Instagram page. Post. Why don't we just do an Instagram post instead of a podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Because the in-between bits are the juiciest and yes. funniest. I guess so. <laughs> But yeah, go have a look on our Instagram page for details of all the events and also all of the articles we've talked about today. That is pretty much it for this episode. So thanks for joining us. New episode will come out next Sunday again at midday British time. But until then... You go get a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> You're waiting for <laughs>